Hi everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Under the Covers with Eve. It's Sunday, January 24th, 2016. This week I'm going to talk to you a little bit about meeting the right person. I hear from a lot of people that they either can't meet someone or they can't maintain a relationship or things like they just keep hooking up with the wrong people over and over again. And sometimes it's not enough to just meet someone, even if you're alone and single and you've never had a relationship, even if you think that would be an accomplishment. You have to meet the right person. You know, even if you're not looking to get married and settle down, and, but especially if you're looking for these things. Whatever the case, I think it's a good idea to have some general guidelines in mind about the qualities that you want in any potential partner. Now, obviously, we're all unique individuals. That goes without saying. We're all interesting and unique in our own ways. We all have good points and bad points, flaws and weaknesses, talents and charms, you know. Sometimes you meet someone that you just click with, and even though there are things about them that you wish were different, you overlook these things because everything else about them is so great. And I know this is all pretty obvious stuff, but I just want to make it clear that I'm not talking about the individual spark that a particular person might have. I'm just going to talk about some general ideas for compatibility that might save you some heartache down the road. This really is just about compatibility, about finding someone right for you. So a lot of these guidelines are going to depend on what you think about things. But anyway, here's just a little list of 10 qualities that I think, in my humble opinion, you should look for in a partner, things that will give you the best chance of having a successful relationship. Okay, so number one, a generally positive view of life. Look for someone who, in general, has a positive view of life. Someone who wants to enjoy life, who takes their happiness and well-being seriously enough to do a lot of the basic things that make life pleasant and rewarding. This usually means things like they have a job or are in school or they want to have these things at least. They have plans or at least dreams for the future even if their circumstances might be preventing them from achieving them right now. Look for someone who generally likes other people even if they might have a few problems with some of them. <laughs> if someone says, all humanity is a virus, or I hope the aliens come and wipe us all out, and things like that, well, this isn't a very happy person. I think you should avoid someone like this. Unless, of course, you yourself think these things. And then you can just be a couple of misanthropes together. <laughs> Now, this doesn't mean a person can't have flaws or insecurities. It just means that in spite of their issues or problems, that they still really want to be a positive, happy person. Intention counts for a lot, to my mind. Some people have just given up on themselves and life. They've become bitter and jaded, or else they just want to wallow in an unhealthy existence. Sort of like they're just waiting for it to be all over, you know. 
I don't think you can ever have a happy relationship with someone in this state. And if you decide to devote your time to helping them out of it, just be sure that you see signs of their really wanting to be happy. Make sure that your efforts might actually lead to an improvement. Okay, number two, general intelligence. I don't mean you have to find a brainiac. There are all kinds of intelligence. Some people are so smart, they're like particle physicists and neurosurgeons and such, but other people's intelligence comes in the form of real common sense or a great sense of how things work or in how to relate to other people. Some people are really great at relating to kids. Other people are insanely creative and artistic. The point is you want someone with something going on upstairs. You want to avoid someone who might end up on one of those TV shows about dumb criminals. You know, <laughs> the ones where they rob a gas station and leave their wallet and ID behind. Or the ones who think they're trapped in a bank when really it was just that they should have pulled the door instead of trying to push on it and, you know, throw chairs at it, stuff like that. Or one of my favorites, um, the guys who thought that they disguised their faces by drawing all over themselves with a Sharpie. If you haven't seen these two, <laughs> check the link. It's, it's hilarious. Now, I don't know if stupid is the right word for these kinds of people in general, um, because everyone is entitled to moments of breathtaking stupidity in our lives. But I think it's safe to say that if you're trying to get by in life by robbing gas stations or drawing on your face with a marker as a disguise, you're probably not the brightest bulb on the tree. <laughs> okay, number three. Similar sexual tastes. I know this can seem obvious, but you'd be surprised at the number of people who don't think about this when they first pursue someone they like. Maybe it's because we don't generally speak frankly to each other about sex. Not in the real world, anyway. But it's worth trying to figure this out if you possibly can. If you are the kind of person who wants crazy monkey sex three times a day, if you're into certain kinks or fetishes, whatever, give some thought to whether the person that you're pursuing might be into this as well. I've known guys who are right into public sex and threesomes and bisexuality and all that stuff going after a girl who goes to Bible study classes and who wants to get married and have babies. Now, maybe this girl is into all that. I'm not saying she can't be or isn't, but I would say that it's likely that she isn't. And if you're that kind of guy and you want to hook up with her, well, I just don't think this is going to work. Even outside of things like kinks or fetishes, even just things like frequency of sex can be a deal breaker for couples. If you want a lot of sex or a little and your partner's the opposite, or if you really love giving and receiving oral, but he or she is self-conscious or, or doesn't like it. You know, these kinds of things can put a huge strain on your relationship. One of the great things about getting to know people in a community like GWA is that it's okay to talk openly about stuff like this. If you're pretty vanilla, you can tell people this, and you can find like-minded people. If you're into something specific, you can find that too. It's not the whole story, but it's definitely a start. I would say before you get too far into a sexual relationship with someone, 
have an honest discussion with them about their attitudes and tastes, and make sure that they're pretty much in line with yours. Or if not, that the both of you are at least interested in exploring new things together. All right, number four, sense of humor. Everyone thinks they have a sense of humor. Do you notice that? So everyone thinks they're really funny. Not everybody is. Now, I would say that finding a partner that you can laugh with is really important. Life is just so much richer when you can enjoy a good laugh. And if you can find someone to do that with, it will make your relationship even better. But just like sex, though, make sure you have a similar sense of humor. I mean, if you just lose your shit over jackass movies or fart jokes or trailer park boys, you should try to find someone who does too. If, if British wit is more your thing and you like Monty Python and Douglas Adams and all that clever stuff, then find someone who appreciates that. There is really nothing more unsettling than showing someone your favorite Tim Minchin piece and them going, I don't get it. <laughs> The same goes for, um, like, body humor or humor that involves bad language. Some people will just turn scarlet if you make a sexual joke or you swear. So make sure your potential partner is okay with this if this is your kind of humor. Number five, similar ideologies. I'm going to cautiously add to this that someone who shares your political ideas and, and any religious ideas that you have is also very important, to a degree. Some couples can get along just fine, even if he's Tory and she's Labour, or she's Republican and he's Democrat, but it can definitely cause some friction. Religious differences usually only become an issue when family is involved. Either your uh, family's of origin, or else the kids that you might have together, um, when it comes to raising them with certain values. But it's it's something to keep in mind. Relationships can be difficult sometimes, and you don't need the added aggravation of having arguments about politics or religion on top of everything else. I mean, it's not that it can't work. It certainly can. But just keep it in mind. And remember, too, that your original families might make things really difficult for you if you want to make this a long-term relationship. If you fall in love with someone who is ideologically different from you. That's fine. I'm sure you'll find a way to make it work. I just caution you against that old adage, uh, opposites attract. I don't want you to believe Hollywood's vision of people from two totally different spheres of life somehow coming together and falling madly in love, living happily ever after. In real life, it's way more likely that you'll form a lasting relationship with someone who is similar to you, not your complete opposite. Okay, number six self-sufficient. So by this, I mean someone who isn't looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend to completely take care of them in every way. Some people end up with a kind of, you know, relationship leech. <laughs> you know, someone who suddenly can't do the most basic thing for themselves. Someone who will end up moving in with you immediately because they can't pay their rent or buy groceries or basically do anything without your help. <laughs> Um, also, someone who, who quickly starts to depend on you for their every social and emotional need. You become their universe, 
and they don't want to spend a moment away from your from your glorious side, you know. I mean, it's great to be adored. We all love it. But if you're with someone who can't be without you, who can't do anything or go anywhere without you, don't take this as a compliment. Or believe that they, quote, just really love you, you know. There's a big difference between spending a lot of time with someone because you just love being with them and not being able to function without that person. Make sure you choose someone that has something going on of their own. Their own friends, their own hobbies, their own interests, and, and someone who is willing to keep doing these things without you once you're together. I mean, you might end up not only financially responsible for this person, but also smothered by them because they just won't ever leave, you know? It's not just love, and it's not healthy for either of you. Now watch out for crazy jealousy too. People like this tend to show extreme and inappropriate jealousy. They'll want you to check in with them a dozen times a day. They'll call you all day at work or school and God help you if you don't answer. They'll text you constantly. They'll snoop through your phone and your emails and, you know, even go onto forums that you go to and follow your comments, things like that. Sometimes they're looking for evidence of who you've been talking to. You know, if you're with someone and they start to exhibit behavior like this, I think you either have to find a way to stop it or else just move on. Sometimes it's just insecurity and it can be overcome, but sometimes it's a really unhealthy personality trait that isn't going to go away anytime soon. And it will make your life miserable. And also it should go without saying, don't become a stage five clinger yourself. Don't latch on to the first person who shows you any interest and start tailoring your life around them. I think, too, a lot of people make this particular mistake. They say to themselves, I would be so good to someone. I would treat her like a queen. I would just adore her and dote on her and be there for her every need. I would listen to her problems and snuggle with her and make her know she's so completely loved. And you know, while all of these things are wonderful by themselves, the problem is it's never enough to just adore someone. They have to find something lovable about you. And it can't be just that you're a really terrific big spoon, you know? Don't expect someone to love you just because you adore her. It doesn't work that way. She has to be in love with who you are, the things you think and do, your general character, your talents, your wit. No one has ever fallen head over heels for someone who is just awesome at being there for them. It's not the way we're wired. I mean, at first it might be nice to feel appreciated and cared for, and certainly flattery is involved. But after a while, you start to notice that unless you have something more tangible in common, unless that person impresses you for more than just how good they are at soothing your hurt feelings, you'll find yourself wanting more. I think too many people sincerely believe that their value to another person lies in how much service they can be to that person, how adoring they can be, how nice and caring and supportive. And I think they become disillusioned and disappointed when the object of their affection doesn't love them back. 
Why doesn't she love me? I was so nice to her, you know? They never seem to question this. They instead think that she's just a heartless bitch who didn't appreciate their niceness. I would say, most of the time, it's not that she was a heartless bitch. It was that he wasn't enough of a person in that relationship, and there was very little for her to fall in love with or stay in love with. So, as nice as it can be to either receive unabashed adoration from someone or to give it, remember that just appealing to someone's vanity or loneliness or need to be adored is not the basis of a good relationship. All right, number seven. You want to look for someone sane. Or at least someone who's not a sociopath. You really need to stay away from sociopaths. Seriously. No matter how hot that person is, You'll know in your heart if they're a sociopath. And if you think they are, keep walking. You'll know by the drama that surrounds them at all times, by their attitudes or theories about life, their reactions to things. If the girl you're interested in set fire to her ex-boyfriend's car and thinks that she was totally justified in doing so, you know, if the guy you like lies his way through life and doesn't appear to be genuinely moved by the suffering of others as long as he gets what he wants, these are serious red flags. There have been a lot of studies done on the differences between the terms a psychopath and sociopath, which are both legitimate psychological terms referring to specific personality disorders. In general, a sociopath is someone who knows how to work people, uh, who knows how to get what he or she wants through lies or manipulation or through pretending to be whatever it is that their target wants. Sociopaths don't have much empathy for others, although they can pretend they do. And often they aren't frightened or emotionally disturbed by the same things that, quote, normal people are. They sort of play act at relationships because they've learned how to mimic the emotions that they see in the people around them. But they don't have very much genuine interest in other people at all. They can absolutely radiate sexuality and charm, because they do want sex, like everyone does. So, you know, just watch out for someone like this. Number eight. Someone who is sensitive to you and others. I've seen quite a few couples in which one partner completely and totally treats the other one like shit, and the other one just takes it. I've seen one partner act really selfishly all the time, basically calling all the shots, deciding where they go and what they do, who they associate with, even things like determining how their partner is allowed to dress. I knew a married couple once in which the husband wouldn't let his wife drive his truck, quote, his truck, <laughs> to her job making her take three buses to work instead because his truck was his baby and he didn't want her anywhere near it. And I knew a girl once who didn't allow her boyfriend to listen to his favorite music anymore because she thought it was lame. Now, he also couldn't see his old friends anymore because they too were lame and he had to stop going to see his favorite hockey team. Why? Yeah, you got it. Too lame. So sometimes, you know, one partner is just so into themselves that they really don't even know anyone else exists. And other times it's about controlling the other person and making sure they are exactly the way you want at all times. 
I mean, sometimes it's less outrageous, but essentially you have to look for someone who will respect you as a person. Your partner is allowed to say that they like your long hair, for example. They're not allowed to forbid you from cutting it off. Your partner can tell you that they hate your taste in music. They can't make you stop enjoying it. I know this sounds like basic common sense stuff, but you'd be surprised. So many people get into relationships and just end up surrendering themselves completely, letting the other person just walk all over them. Find someone who shows some basic respect and empathy for the feelings of others, especially you. Find someone who isn't too judgmental of other people. Someone who doesn't have prejudices or negative attitudes towards groups of people or races or colors or body shapes or anything like that. Stay away from bigots and, and sex shamers or those who are hypercritical of you and other people. This is not a really healthy personality that's going to adapt well to the demands of an emotional relationship, in my opinion. Okay, number nine. This is more of a question I think you should ask yourself in general. And it has to do with the looks sexiness thing that I've talked about before. Ask yourself this simple question. If my looks were to change tomorrow, would this person still be here? And if this person's looks were to change tomorrow, would I still be here? So I guess that's two questions, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously this doesn't really apply if you're just looking for a quick hookup with no strings attached. But if you're looking for any kind of long-term relationship with someone, something that lasts longer than, you know, a night or two, ask yourself if this relationship would even exist if your looks changed, either one of you. Our looks change throughout life, sometimes through our own decisions, but more often than not, it's just age. We gain weight or we lose hair or we lose that youthful glow that we once had and our bodies tend to sag a bit, especially for women who've had children. And sometimes too, you find out that someone, or even yourself, was really only able to maintain that hot bod through serious deprivation and exercise. And that as life marches on, you just can't maintain that kind of punishing regime anymore. You end up looking more like what your body was sort of meant to look like. Maybe more overweight, maybe less muscular, whatever. But you find out that this momentary hotness that you had in your late teens or your early 20s was pretty fleeting. And that's pretty common for most people. Ask yourself if this is going to mean the end of your relationship with someone. If you answer yes, then you can do one of two things. You can just savor this brief moment in the sun and enjoy your physically-based relationships, or you can move on and try to find something that's based more on who you are and who your partner is. Whatever you choose is your decision, and there's no judgment attached to it. Just have a series of casual hookups in your 20s if that suits you. There's no shame in it. But if you are looking for something more substantial, then consider that a lot of relationships that are based solely on looks end up failing miserably. I think a lot of people develop a tainted view of relationships based on this kind of thing. They marry someone that they hooked up with because they were hot. And then when real life starts intruding and the relationship <laughs> fails, they blame marriage or monogamy or whatever. They don't ever question their own judgment in marrying someone solely because the sex was hot way back in the day, you know? Instead, 
um, they usually end that relationship and jump right back into another one with someone else that they just find hot, and so on and so on and so on. And they become really bitter and jaded, sometimes even misogynistic or misandristic, you know, blaming an entire sex for all of their disappointment in life. Something that's somewhat related to this. Ask yourself if you believe that losing one's looks, even just with age, is somehow a black mark on that person's character. Ask yourself if you would be harsh and judgmental towards your partner if he or she gained weight or lost muscle or whatever. You know, would you actually start to dislike their character over it, not just dislike their new physique? Some people are incredibly harsh critics of other people in this sense. They really believe that if you slip so much as a millimeter and stop being the paragon of perfection that you once were, that you're now weak and worthy of disdain. Be sure that you and your potential partner are a little more forgiving of all the frailties of being human. And realize, please, that a person is so much more than their six-pack or their slim body. Make sure you know that looks or a sexy body, you know, can be a really nice bonus to have in a partner, but that it's just the icing. It's not the cake. All right. And the last one, number 10. Look for something magical. Okay, so I don't mean Galadriel. Although, you know, mad props if you can score her, seriously. But what I mean is, to sum up this list, look for someone who has something that's almost impossible to define. There are people who will make you light up just by entering the room. People who will make you feel alive. Who'll make you feel giddy and excited. Who will fill you with hope and happiness and real warmth. A friend of mine once described this as fairy dust. And I kind of like that description. We all want that fairy dust kind of relationship. Something special and wonderful and something that seems like it should be written down in a novel somewhere or made a movie out of because it's so amazing. We want that heady kind of infatuation of new love. We want to feel that excitement. I think it's kind of sad when I see people just going through the motions, just hooking up with whoever, you know, just out of a physical need for sex, not really caring about it or their partner. I mean, that's a personal choice, obviously, and if that works for you, great. But I have to say, I believe your life would be exponentially better if you chose your sexual partners based on real excitement for them and a real connection that you've made. Try to pursue that fairy dust in every relationship you have. Look for the passion and the lust in someone whose character is more similar to yours, but, but look for it, you know. Love and lust and romance should be magical. It should never be boring or something you do just because you think you should have someone or because you're lonely or whatever. And I don't just mean infatuation or physical attraction. We all know people with whom we really click. And I'm just saying you should try to cultivate that in a future partner. Even if you don't end up having hot monkey sex, you know, for whatever reason, try to find that spark with someone. It doesn't have to be passionate sex up against the wall. Just try to find someone who makes you feel as special as you make them feel. Someone with whom you sense a real chemistry. Someone who makes it clear that they are physically and emotionally attracted to you, 
not just settling for you. Don't settle because you just want someone in your life. And don't be someone that someone else is just settling for. There was a great scene in Bridget Jones's Diary, that movie with Renee Zellweger, where she's talking to Hugh Grant's character, someone she had dated, but who had cheated on her and left her for someone really hot. And he, he comes back into her life, and he wants a second chance. And he says to her, look, if I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. I mean, you know, hardly sweep you off your feet stuff, right? And she rightly says, that's not good enough for me. So these are just some ideas for you to mull around uh, on your search. There's, there's one last thing I'm going to say about your search in general, especially if you're looking for something long-term. There's been a bit of research done on the success rates of those couples who meet online versus those who meet in person for the first time. And in general, it seems that online couples do better in the long run. Their relationships are about 25% more likely to last, according to one study I found. There's lots of anecdotal evidence for this too. People who will tell you that they met their partner online and they knew before they ever met face-to-face -face that they shared the same values and ideas and were already compatible. I think the reasons for this are obvious. If you aren't distracted by a person's looks, whether they're good or not, or not so good, you know, um, you can actually get to know someone and grow close to them. You can find out about the things I mentioned earlier, their sense of humor, their sense of life, their intelligence, their sensitivity. Much of this you can figure out even after only a few weeks or months of corresponding. And if you do this, you'll find that when the time comes to actually meet in person, it won't be, you know, that cute girl who makes me so fucking nervous that you're going to meet. It'll be Sarah from Chicago, the one who loves the Rolling Stones and votes Democrat and calls her Chihuahua Mr. Fat Pants. You know, like when you meet, it'll be like you've known each other for years. And there won't be nearly the level of nervousness you would feel if you just saw her at work and decided to approach her for a date. Your looks or hers will be much less of a factor. In fact, I'd say it would hardly matter at all. This is the whole person you've been getting close to and want to spend time with, not just a picture on Tinder. So if you're serious about meeting someone, I would definitely start with something you can easily do right now. Start connecting with women online in any way that you're comfortable. Figure out what you want and start getting involved. Reddit is a great place to start talking to people. And it doesn't have to have a sexual angle to it either. There are about a billion subreddits. I mean, if you can imagine it, someone has created a sub for it. So find something that interests you and start connecting with people. There are, of course, all sorts of subs devoted to hooking up and playing and all that. But keep in mind that this sort of thing usually attracts experienced people who are really into this and who clearly know what they want. And in my experience, if you're a 20-something, especially a woman, keep in mind that most guys who wander around hookup and dating sites are looking for a hottie. If you aren't physically hot and up for some amazing casual sex, don't put yourself through the superficial world of something like Tinder or chat roulette, you know? Don't look for Prince Charming there or someone who will appreciate you for who you are. I mean, you might get lucky, you might find someone that way, 
but I wouldn't count on it. You can try um, a dating site called Plenty of Fish or POF.com, which seems to be pretty popular. And of course, you can pay to join sites like Match.com or eHarmony, tons of others. But I wouldn't invest in something like that until you try other options first. And I know, too, I should say, I know that men have a hard time with this, too. A few guys have been really discouraged trying to get to know someone through some sort of sexually-themed Reddit. The girl just loses interest or drifts away, and the guy feels rejected, and like he did something wrong, whereas it's more likely the two of them were interested in different things, and the guy just didn't know what to expect. A lot of people experience this ghosting, as they call it. Essentially, someone you're talking to online and trying to get to know just suddenly vanishes from your life with no explanation. But there are all sorts of reasons for it, so you shouldn't necessarily take it personally. One thing I will advise against, and this goes for absolutely everyone, don't be in a mad hurry to send photos to someone new. So many people do this when they're looking for a partner, and I think it's such a mistake, no matter what you look like. I think sometimes it comes from insecurity. You're really hoping that this person will respond with some sort of all-caps, emoji-heart-filled gush about how gorgeous you are. And, and who knows, maybe this is exactly what they'll do when they finally see you. But the reason I don't recommend you do it is that we all, every one of us, form an idea about someone based on whatever their looks happen to be. And it's not about being beautiful or not. It's more about the type of person you think they are, based on their physical appearance. If you've pictured someone in your mind, possibly even from, you know, a physical description that they've provided you, and then when you see their picture, they look almost exactly like your cousin Frank, or they remind you of your first boyfriend, the guy that broke your heart, it can really turn you off that person, you know? A girl might sound really nice over the phone, but when you see her picture, it's a bad picture taken with her phone, and she's not a photographer, she doesn't know how to make herself look more like she actually looks day to day, you know, that sort of thing. We all know how deceptive pictures can be, both good and bad. Some people just aren't photogenic, and they look way better in person than their pictures make them look. And other people look amazing in photos, and the reality is much less impressive. So it seems like you're just asking for trouble if you meet someone you want to date, and then... Ten minutes in, you're firing off a screen cap of you looking bleary-eyed and washed out in front of your computer. If you just want to be platonic friends with somebody, that's fine. Fire away. Have fun. Whatever. <laughs> but if you're looking for romance, don't be so quick to share photos in the hopes that this will melt the heart of the person on the other end. And that they, unlike every person you've ever met, will think you're gorgeous. <laughs> right? Um, they don't know you yet at all, and they have no reason to be moved by a photo of you. And even if they were, even if they thought you were the hottest thing on earth, you now run the risk of having them just want to get to know you because they think you're hot. They might not be themselves with you. They might overlook flaws in your character or hide some of their own, things that would mean you aren't really compatible, all because they've let their attraction to you completely overshadow their common sense about getting to know you as a person. I would say, if you can bear to be patient, avoid going to dating and hookup sites. Try to get to know someone without the aura of a sexual relationship hanging over you. Get talking with someone over Skype or, or Kick if you want, but keep it non-sexual, at least at first. 
Find out who they really are and let things grow from there if they're headed that way. Emailing back and forth is great too. There isn't that kind of on-the-spot pressure. You can think about what you're going to say, that sort of thing. It lets you be more yourself and even a little less self-conscious because even speaking to someone over a Skype line can be intimidating for some people. Some people really shine in their written communications, and I think it's a great way to introduce yourself to someone and show them your, your best traits. So, a little bit longer this week. I think I covered a lot of stuff, but hopefully giving you some things to think about in your pursuit of the perfect partner. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me, and please keep your questions coming in. I really enjoy hearing from you. Have a good week. Stay cozy and stay warm, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.